0: Welcome to Shatterproof. I am your host, Todd Callahan. You can follow me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app by searching Ignite Church VT on the Google Play Store or the App Store. You can follow us online at IgniteChurchVT.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Ignite Church VT. So we're up here in New England. We're up here in Vermont, and you know this is one of you know Vermont's considered to be one of the, uh, if not the, uh, least church state in the nation. And you know God's been doing some incredible things up here over the past several years. Uh, you know our, our church, uh, for one. Um, you know God really laid it on my heart two years ago to resist all of the governor mandates, resist all of the. The, the, the COVID overreaches that all of these governors and the health commissioners and the attorney generals were trying to push onto the churches to shut them down, close them down, and keep keep the uh, uh, keep worship silent. And and we didn't close our church. We kept pushing forward. We kept doing everything that we believed God was calling us to do. And and there and since that moment, since 2020, there has just been such an incredible outpouring of the Spirit of God in our church, uh, in in our region around New England. And you know, Satan. Con- 2023 is coming to Boston, April 28th, 29th, and 30th. You heard me right. The Satanic Temple presents SatanCon in Boston, and this is going to be an incredible wake-up call for the people of God in New England, because principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness, demonic rulers of wickedness in heavenly places are out to silence the church again, to try to uh, over- Power and overtake the territory that God has given to his people. So wherever you are, I need you to understand this. There is a fight for territory right now. I mean, it's it's undeniable. All over the nation, throughout the world, there's a fight for territory. If we as the people of God do not take our rightful place and go and occupy the territory, the space that he has given us to take, we are going to miss one of the greatest moments in human history. If, If we don't take it, People like Klaus Schwab and all these global elitists at the World Economic Forum—they're—they're they're looking to dictate your life. They're looking to determine how we live our life. They want you eating bugs. They want you driving. Uh, uh uh, um, uh, solar power cars and and cars that are powered by electricity, if you're allowed to have a private car, because people like Klaus Schwab don't believe you, sh- you and I should be driving our own personal vehicle, uh, except for him. He's allowed to have his private jet and drive his big SUV and do everything that he wants to do. But you and I, we're not worthy of that. You've got Bill Gates that wants to stop cows from burping to fight climate change. This is the idiocy that we're living in right now in this nation and around the world. And there is there's it's a fight for territory. It is a fight to see who has the stamina to to withstand all of the pressure, all of the, all of the um outside influences and who can occupy the territory and the space that they have access to. And I don't know about you, but but I, I'm getting a little salty over this and 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 I mean this from a from a from a a spiritual perspective, because truth can be captured in, in this kind of statement that God specializes in changes. And I believe that God is changing some things around the nation and throughout the world. When you've got a a, a place in New England that the satanic temple targets, Boston, New England, that means that for me, that means that there's something that's alive. There's something spiritually alive Uh, in God, that, that they are attempting to tear down, to influence, to occupy. And as long as I pastor in New England, I'm going to do everything that I can do to push back against these demonic principalities and powers. And listen, God's area of specialty and expertise is going after what can't be altered and altering it and changing the unchangeable. He's able to repair what was unrepairable. Just because something has not been changed does not mean it cannot be changed. It may be that you're bringing an issue, so to speak, to a primary care physician, let's put this in contemporary context, that you really should have taken to a specialist. You know, you've got people like Joe Scarborough on, on MSNBC, who's sitting here and calling people morons because they're not going to get their, their COVID shots and their boosters. But yet we have all of these suddenlies happening all over the world and throughout the nation where people are suddenly having heart attacks. They're going into cardiac arrest. And, you know, they're not they're not going to, to put this out in front of everyone in America to say you know, all these suddenlies were because they were vaccinated. That's, you know, vaccination is not part of the there uh, of the issue. They're going to cover that, they're going to mask all of that and you're never going to hear them say that outright that the vaccine has to do with all these people passing out and having blood clots and, and going into cardiac arrest. So all of these, these ways in which the culture is trying to fight for your mind and fight for your perspective, there's a lot of things that God's trying to change. And the miracles that are contained within the pages of the Old and New Testament are pictures of this particular principle. Miracles themselves are a revelation of God's ability to intervene into situations that were not previously changed and change what could not be changed, because God's a change specialist. So we can look around the culture and we can look around the country right now and think that there's nothing that we can do to change the narrative. There's nothing that we can do to change the spiritual environment that's happening right now. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You and I have the ability, we have the access, we've been given the power and the keys to the kingdom to take the territory and occupy the space he's given us until he comes. But it's important to realize that the change he extends and offers to the believer, it's not just a moral modification. We're not, you know, church is not just some moral modification uh, experience that we go through. It's not some course that you take as a Christian. God offers and extends to us, the church, complete transformation. He offers to you and I the opportunity to experience a metamorphosis. He doesn't just want to give us better morals. He wants to give us a new mind for a better life. And if, if we know the word, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have a life and have it abund- abundantly. So I don't know about you, but I don't want a modification. I want complete transformation. I don't, you know, he's like, I don't want to make you a caterpillar. I want to make you a butterfly. I don't want to just give you better morals. I want to give you a better mind. I don't want to just give you better morals. I want to give you a better marriage. I don't want to just take your better morals. I want to take your misery and turn your misery into your ministry. God wants to see a metamorphosis taking place in our lives. And he, and, and, and but there's a question, right, that we need to explore and and answer it. And the question is why? If God intends for you and I to have an opportunity where we experience a total transformation, then why? Why have the past two years and going on year three, why have they been so spiritually challenging? Why has everything that's been happening in the culture challenging our perspective on what we see? Everything that you hear, everything that you see... In culture right now is to change your perspective. So why is God so passionate about us experiencing life change? It is possible that God wants us to change for our own enjoyment, because God wants all of us happy. He wants to see us fruitful. He wants to see us multiply. He wants to see great flourishing in the kingdom. But how many? And, and but, but we got to understand that God doesn't want you and I to be miserable. There, there's some Christians that they just live in misery. You know, they they believe that that Christianity and our faith journey should be a miserable experience. That you and I should suffer for Jesus. That we should just experience no happiness, no peace, no joy. Well, that these are the kind of people that never experience joy because the Bible clearly states that the kingdom is life. The kingdom is 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 righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I can be in joy. We can experience you know, joy, and I've got a state of mind that's in a state of joy. We have to learn to live that way. Enjoyment. I'm in joy. I want to enjoy the life that God has given me, and I can experience that inside the kingdom. Did Jesus not say these things that I have spoken to you that my joy— might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Why are we giving our joy and our peace over to a culture, over to politicians, over to all of these experiences that are put before us in the culture to try and retrain the way in which we think, to try to 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 retrain the way in which we perceive things. He says, "My joy might remain in you, a joy that is different than the joy that ordinary people have when they acquire possessions and achieve certain accomplishments." That joy is fleeting and temporary because when the accomplishment gets familiar, the joy will leave. The joy that comes from acquisitions lasts as long as the newness of the acquisition. And when the house, the car, the clothes, when all those 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 materialistic things get familiar, then the joy starts to leave, right? But God says, I want to give you a different kind of joy. You and I are not going to find the joy that, that the Word of God is speaking of just because we get a new president in 2024. <laughs> Prayerfully, we get a new president in 2024. I hope we do. I don't know who it's going to be, but it can't be any worse than the guy that's in the White House right now. Let's be real. Come on, and and but Congress turning over, and 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 the the conservative ideals that Congress, uh, you know, at least the House will will now be representing. That's not going to fulfill our joy. He's like, I don't want you to have that joy. I want you to have this joy because this joy that I have. Right? We know that old song, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. There is nothing that is going to take place in the world that's going to give you joy. This joy that we're talking about is based on the revelation that my well-being and my welfare rest securely in the hands of God. And sometimes to get inside of joy, I need total transformation because it helps, it helps move me from a place of immaturity to a place of maturity. Because some misery is attached to immaturity. Sometimes life gets better when we grow up. And we've got a very immature culture right now. I mean, we've got we've got politicians that are immature. We've got uh, presidents and and people that are that are all over uh, the nation, uh, representing governors in every state around this nation that are immature. They they fight with each other. They're bickering with each other. They don't really care about the people inside of the state that they are called to to lead. They care about political power. They care about money. They co- they they care about uh, the next level for themselves. And and listen, there are some people. In your life. Listen, some people will never stop talking, but when you grow up, it stops mattering. There's a lot of people that spend their entire career trying to talk about everybody in their circle, trying to tear them down, trying to uh, boost themselves and elevate themselves by putting down other people. Some people will, are always going to have an opinion, But when you grow up, you will see how little their opinion matters. I've had a lot of people talk about me over the past two years, the fact that we left our church open, we refused to close. I got called all kinds of names. I got told I was going to have blood on my hands because people in our church were going to die. Nobody died during COVID in our church. There was just a handful of people that got sick. Blood was going to be on my hands because I left the church open. People, because of my my relationship to certain conservative voices around the nation, you know, calling me bigoted, homophobic, transphobic. I'm not afraid of anybody who is living a lifestyle of sin. I pray for them. But in this culture right now, if you don't agree with the way that somebody who runs their mouth and who screams and yells and wants to tear you down, if you don't agree with them and you don't receive the lifestyle that they are living, they will label you, brand you, and talk about you until they can destroy you. But when you grow up, you get to the point that when you start losing people, you start asking yourself, what did I really lose? Because if they were not supporting me, if they were not there for me, if they were not believing God's best for my life, then guess what? I didn't really lose anything. And some of you are crying over stuff and people that you lost uh, back in 2022. But if you really calculate the value, they weren't adding to your life. You really didn't lose anything. Some misery is attached to immaturity because some of the promises in the scriptures that articulate the possibility of joy, righteousness, and peace are promises given with a presumption that you are growing. So when Paul says certain things, he's assuming that we're growing. And I can tell you, I've been in church most of my life. There's a lot of church people that don't ever grow. They just go through the motions. They go through the religious uh, activity of getting up Sunday morning, going to church, experiencing the five minutes of worship because they, they showed up 35, 40 minutes late. So they got five minutes of worship. They, they sleep halfway through the word. They get up and they walk out and they said, hey, I did a great thing. I went to church. That's how some people live their life they can't even tell you what the pastor said. Nothing changed their heart and nothing got a hold of them during worship. That's why when Paul tells the church at Philippi that it is possible to have peace that passes all understanding, he's presuming that he's talking to people who are pursuing the renewing of their mind. Because only a renewed mind can follow the instruction that he gave them in Philippians 4 when he told them, if something is lovely and of good rapport, if there is if there is any virtue or if there be any praise, think on these things. He's assuming that the people are growing to the point that they have the power in their heart to say to their mind, we aren't thinking about that today. Listen, some of y'all need to turn off the news. You need to turn off Fox News. You need to turn off CNN, MSNBC, ABC, whatever you're watching. Some of y'all need to just turn that stuff off because you spend more time watching the news and listening to your favorite political pundits on, on the television than what you do in the Word. Then you do praying. Then you do fasting. Then you do, uh, you know, uh, just worshiping and praising God. Some promise, Promises are for grown people. Some instructions are for grown people. And when Jesus says, pray for people, those that despise you, Those that use you, he's assuming that we're growing. So there's a lot of people you and I need to pray for right now. We're just ending our 21-day season of fasting and praying. And if you came out of that, I trust that God, you know, whatever kind of fast you did, that he grew you, that he expanded your capacity for receiving his word, uh, accepting his voice. I, I pray that your worship went to another level. But there are some things that we're going to have to experience in this culture right now. When he says, love your enemies, that's one thing. But when he makes it an action item and says, do good to those that harm you, that's another thing. I mean, there's a lot of us that are just like, you know, hands off when it comes to that. There's a lot of us that, you know, we got a lot of haters. We got people that don't want to see us succeed. We got a lot of people talking about us and you got a lot of stuff going on in your life that's consuming your your attention and consuming your time. But But we've got to do good to those that harm you. How are we going to be salt and light? How are we going to occupy the territory and change the culture if we do exactly what the culture is doing? If we act with the same kind of spirit that those who are acting in the opposite spirit, if we act just like them, what difference are we making? See, Jesus is assuming that you're growing, or Paul rather, is assuming that you're growing in Jesus because there is some misery that we only walk out of when we walk into a place of spiritual maturity. So it is possible that before we can be salt and light that God wants to change us for our assignment. Purpose is found when you discover who God's called you to be. You can't find one without the other because purpose isn't just about what you do, it's about who you are. And it's only when you are clear on on who you are that you learn to say no to the leading of your ambitions because there is sometimes confusion between divine inspiration and personal ambition. Listen, there's a lot of people like myself. I mean, when this whole COVID uh, shot came out, Listen, I, you know, we try to eat as well as we can. We try to put everything into our body that's going to be beneficially uh, beneficially mutual to the body that God gave us. And it's not going to make us sick, but it's going to build our immune system. It's going to continue to make us strong. And everything in moderation. I think all of us, you know, probably consume some stuff at times that we probably shouldn't, but everything in moderation. But for the majority of what I, what I personally eat, it's organic, it's healthy. I, I don't consume a lot of junk at all. And, you know, I don't want to put stuff into my body that I don't know what it is. I'm a label reader. If you're a label reader of the food that you buy, you know what I'm talking about. You want to make sure you can pronounce what you're eating. (laughs) You want to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not putting in all these, these dyes, these reds, blues, and yellows, and all these other nasty colors and all these preservatives and all this, you know, stuff that they want to inject into your body through food. So when this whole COVID shot came out, I'm not going to put something in my body that was genetically created in some biological lab somewhere around somewhere else around the world or another part of the country. And then they're going to tell you here, inject this into your body. And this is a, this is an mRNA vaccine that's going to somehow potentially uh, change your genetic makeup. Do you really think I'm going to inject that into my body? Forget the, 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 the um, Forget the fact that it was derived from fetal tissues. I'm not putting something in my body that some lab decided to create and mo- and genetically modify and, and then tell us you have to inject this into your body. So when, when that whole conversation was happening, I mean, it didn't take a lot of, of spiritual uh, um, awakening through prayer and devotion for us to realize this is not something that we're doing. There was an immediate check in our spirit that said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to participate. It did not sit right in our spirit. That's the kind of divine inspiration that we need to be able to walk with. There are just some things you don't need to pray about because your spirit is already aware. Your spirit's already sensitive and can already respond to what is put before you in that moment. So, you've got to understand the difference between divine inspiration and personal ambition because sometimes they both feel the same. And that's why there was so much, uh, there was such an attempt from government to coerce people by guilt, by association, by keeping your job, by losing your job, by, you know, not having to wear a mask or wearing a mask. And they tried to push us and force people and coerce people to not necessarily operate under divine inspiration and personal conviction, but use coercion to drive your personal ambition that if you wanted freedom, if you really cared about the people around you, you would do this. Now, how do you pray for people like that? How do you pray for a president and people in Congress and, and maybe your your coworkers and maybe your boss or maybe people in your family who treated you differently because you weren't vaccinated? And I'm not coming down on people that are vaccinated right now. You might be vaccinated. But what I'm saying is you made that personal decision. And those who are not vaccinated made that personal decision. So why are we treating one side differently than we are the other just because the culture says you should be vaccinated? What about those who have convictions in a different way? And see, it's only when I'm clear on who I am that I'm clear on what I do. And when I'm clear on what I do, I'm really clear on what I don't do. That gives you clarity on what to say yes to and what to say no to. That gives you clarity on the direction that you're going and who should go in that direction with you. See, finding your purpose comes from finding yourself because God wants to change us, because changed people will change the world. I'm sure you've heard that said before, changed people will change the world. I didn't say perfect people change the world, but I said changed people change the world. I didn't say God wants to change people so changed people can change the church. God wants to change us so that changed people can change the world. We spend way too much time as the people of God salting the salt. We do a great job inside the subculture. Of the church, inside the four walls. We do a great job at building each other up and and, and mirroring and modeling to each other who Jesus is and, and what that looks like inside the four walls of the subculture of the church. But when you walk out those back doors, whose life are you changing? Whose life are you really impacting? We have got to go take the territory in your communities, in your workplace. Well, Pastor, I I can't really talk about God in, in the workplace. You most certainly can. You have the right to do that. Well, I might get in trouble with HR. Great, fight the fight. Fight the good fight of faith. You have been given a territory to occupy, and it is okay if you share your testimony. It is okay if you share your story. It is okay if you share your faith. Because the assignment that Jesus has is a world assignment. John three sixteen for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because his assignment was a world assignment. And when purpose is fulfilled, the world is impacted. Our purpose is not about us. Purpose is the reason for the creation and the existence of a thing. And it is always an answer to a problem. You are an answer to a problem in the earth. Dr. Fauci is not the answer. Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum is not the answer. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not the answers. And the next president and vice president will not be the answer. You are the answer to a problem in the earth. Whenever anything is created, it is created in response to a problem that needed a solution. Let me give you an example. Cars were created to solve a transportation problem. Eve was created to solve a problem because when God looked at Adam, he said it is not good for a man to be alone, so he created the answer to the problem. He put Adam to sleep, pulled out of him a rib and fashioned a woman and brought her to Adam. And when Eve walked up to Adam, the answer to a problem walked in Eden. And when, you walk, and when you walked into your environment, the answer to the problem, walking in that environment, should be you. But you are the answers to issues in the world. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that there's nothing that's going to go wrong. But do not allow people in your sphere or in your circle to disqualify you based on the perceptions that they have about your calling, your purpose, and what you are actively pursuing. I told our church this past, uh, uh, this well, probably about three weeks ago as we were in, uh, entering into 2023, I said, this is what I feel that God is speaking to me and speaking to our church as it relates to our impact in this region, in the state, and in our communities is less talk and more action. Christians do a great job at talking a talk and telling everybody how good God is and what God has done and all of that stuff, but we do a really bad job at going and putting that faith to action inside the spheres that God's given us to change, because anybody can talk about it, anybody can talk about it with those who who have a listening ear for it inside the subculture of the church. But what are we really doing to bring action to what it is we're saying? How many people have you, have, you, have, you been, uh, have you saved at work? How many people have you shared the gospel with at work? What about your family? And I know it's tough to ruffle feathers, especially with family that really doesn't want to talk about uh, any, any faith values or any Christianity or, quote, religion at all. But what are you doing to bring that conversation up? Because it is your responsibility. That's your sphere. That's your territory. And you know, you come to church because God uses church as an instrument to change us so we can then in turn impact the world, impact the communities, impact those spaces. Did did not Jesus tell us to go into all the world and make disciples? Matthew 5.13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Notice he didn't say you are the salt of the church. If we are the salt of the church, that is like salt just being in the salt shaker and just shaking. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They come to the salt shaker every single week and they just shake. What good is salt if it just shakes inside the shaker? It needs to be sprinkled into the environment that God puts you in. Now, salt is small, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Salt is kind of camouflaged, but it's powerful. Sometimes you can't even see the salt because it's been rubbed in. It's been blended into the food. But when you taste the food, you can tell the salt is there because salt blends in with the environment. So you may blend in at work and you may walk like them. You may talk like them. You may be in the same spaces, but something on the inside of you that changes the environment when you get there needs to be shaken out. It's time to get salty. I'm ready to change something in 2023 beyond anything I've ever experienced before. I want environments to be different when I walk into the room. God wants to change us so we can change the world. And the way we contribute to changing the world is by changing our world. All of us have a realm of influence, and what happens is if we aren't careful, Christians can become professional pontificators where what we do is spend our time talking about what's wrong in the world and how people who have influence have messed it all up, but not understanding that if we knew what to do with certain influence, you would have it. Because every everyone is experts on how to use influence that you don't have, right? We all have a world and a realm that should, you know, that we shouldn't be pontificating about what's going on in the world without making sure we are impacting our current world. Because if I impact my personal world, my territory, the influence space that I have, and 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 the people behind you impact their world, then the world becomes impacted because changed people are changing people. You have a territory. You and I have got a space that we have got to go after. We cannot li- allow this conversation with the LGBTQIA+ LMNOP whatever al- other letters you want to add to their their alphabet. We cannot allow the gay and lesbian agenda, the bisexual agenda, the transgender agenda to consume the airspace and consume the conversation? Where's the church? Why are there so many weak pastors and so many weak Christians and feeble-minded Christians that that are afraid to stand up for the way that God designed humanity? There are two genders, male and female, clear as day in the word of God. How is that confusing to some pastors who refuse to have this conversation from their pulpit? They're afraid of losing people. They're afraid of ticking people off and making them mad. They care more about the people filling up the chairs in, in their congregation. They care more about the $5 that's put in the offering plate because, you know, most likely that, that's probably about what they're giving, let's be honest, if anything at all. And we've, we're we we're, we're more afraid of offending people than we are preaching the truth of the Word of God. We have got to stop worrying about who is going to be offended when we preach the word of God with truth and righteousness. The Bible lets us know about a man named Daniel who's a part of a nation called Judah. His country's just been overtaken by a country called Babylon. Babylon is governed by a king called Nebuchadnezzar. What Nebuchadnezzar does is he instructs his officials to go into Judah and find the most attractive and the people who have intellectual capabilities. I want good and good-looking and smart people in Judah, <laughs> and bring them to Babylon and put them through this three-year training process so I can use them as assets in my kingdom. Get this now. So Daniel and three others whose names you probably aren't familiar with because, uh, you know, that was their Hebrew names, but you may be familiar with the Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because whatever takes you captive will end up trying to rename you. I'm gonna we'll say that again. Whatever takes you captive, will try to rename you. That's why I don't believe in naming people after their issues, because theologically, I have a different worldview. Socially, I may have a different worldview. Psychologically, they may have a different worldview. But biblically, my biblical worldview shows me a God who renames people, because he wants to remind them more about who they are than about who they were. And in this culture, people will name you by your issues, because what has you captive wants to name you. So if you struggle in a certain area, that thing wants to brand you and name you, but it's not your name. Don't you call me by what I did because when I did that, I didn't know who I was. I had the salt shaker without the salt, but now I have a revelation of who I am. So you don't call me that because I won't answer to it anymore. Jacob, don't call me Jacob because my name is now Israel. I'm not Simon. My name is Peter. I'm not Abram. My name is Abraham. You want to keep me in this box of who I used to be, but God is starting to fill up my shaker with the right ingredients. And what people call you is a revelation of the season of your life that they knew you. And sometimes they say something based on something they knew about you maybe back in high school or college because that's the season in your life where that name applied. But because that's the season they knew you in prior to you getting salty and and being and getting saved and getting on fire for God, that's all they knew to call you. So these men are taken captive, and and, and look at this, Daniel has uh, has a prophetic gifting, and he interprets dreams, and yet he's not even working in the temple. He's a prophet, but he's not working in church. One, he's working for Babylon. Two, Babylon and Judah don't have the same agenda. So he didn't plan on being there and didn't want to be there, so while he was there, he figured he'd at least get a little salty, because sometimes life will put you in places that you didn't plan on being and put you in seasons that you didn't prefer to be in. I didn't prefer to be in the situation that we found ourselves in in 2020 and 2021. I was getting harassed by Vermont's health commissioner in 2021. I mean, phone calls at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, every single morning for weeks trying to say, hey, shut down your church. We're going to do a press release. If you don't close your church, we're going to do a press release. Close your church. You're not masking people. You're not social distancing people. Close the church or we're going to come after you. And I, you know, I was like, bring it. Let's go. You don't have the constitutional right to tell us to shut our, shut our church down, it's amazing how these political people, if you want to call them, you know, political people. I don't know what else to call them, but these people who are politically influenced. It's amazing how they always scream separation of church and state. Which, by the way, is not a law. It's not a bill. It's nothing in the Constitution. It's not in our Bill of Rights. It exists nowhere except it was a statement made by Thomas Jefferson when he wrote a, a letter on behalf of the Danbury Baptist Association, to keep the government out of the church. He said there needed to be a separation of church and state. In other words, the government need to shut its mouth and quit trying to define and determine what happened in the church. He didn't say it about about that the other way around. He intended and believed in the church impacting the government. But he told the government, stay out of the church's business. You don't have any right to be there. So in 2020, 2021... We had the government trying to dictate to the church what we were going to do. So I remember being on the phone with our health commissioner, and I, and I said, "You, you, you, uh, you, you guys like to use the phrase separation of church and state until it applies in, in 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 reverse." And I'm telling you, stay out of our business. You have no right to try to dictate who we are, what we do, and when we when we can and can't worship, and how we can and can't worship. And you talk about ticking some people off. When when you say those kinds of things to to people with political ideologies, man, they get hot under the collar. So they were threatening press conferences. They were threatening to go on the media and just really put down our church, put me down, say that I was doing things to harm people during COVID. And, and you know, you've got to, you, I didn't ask for that, but sometimes God will put you in a place to where he's going to allow you to sprinkle some salt. Because let me tell you something, people that hadn't been in church in 30, 40 plus years, when they saw what we were doing, came back to church. I personally had conversations with people who said, listen, I haven't been in church in 25, 30 years, but I, I heard about what you guys were doing and the stance you were taking during COVID and you refused to close your church. And I, and I said to my husband, you know, or I said, you know, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a lady that was telling me this. I said to my husband, if they're willing to do that and stand up for for the freedom of worship, We should probably go check it out. If they're they're that adamant about making sure that they have the freedom of worship, we should go see what's happening there because they're taking a stand. And they showed up and they were like, this is nothing we've ever experienced before. Where has this place been all of our life? And they're here on a regular basis and they would have never connected with us. Have we not taken the stand? And there's all kinds of stories like that. People that, that watch online from all over the country who found out about what we were doing. People driving two hours on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights to get to our church services because of what God is doing at Ignite Church in Williston, Vermont. Little old Williston, Vermont. Up here in, in the New England neck of the woods, and, and no one really thinks about Vermont or considers Vermont when it comes to a, a spiritual uh, awakening or a move of God, but let me tell you something, there's ha- something happening powerfully in this state, and God is beginning to turn some things around. And listen, some of you are trying to get out of your situation, of your, of your sphere, of your space, and you haven't been able to get out. Some of you don't like your job. You don't like the, the situations or the relationships or the stuff that God's allow you to get in. And sometimes we miss the revelation that maybe we are where we are is for a reason. And we need to learn to salt the place that God plants us. I didn't. I didn't want to experience what we experienced in 2020. I didn't ask for that. No pastor who kept their church open expected to experience what they did. But in that season, in that moment, I really had to open up the salt shaker. I had to open the word of God and say, this is the rock that I stand on. This is the firm foundation that I stand on. I don't stand on one of government. I don't stand on one of coercion. I don't stand on one of fear. And Daniel had to experience that. Daniel didn't like being there. And if you look at his prophecies, his prophecies about a time when Judah would not be there, that God would send the Messiah to rescue Israel from all their captivity. So he decided that while he was there, he had to release his salt. You may not be where you want to be, but while you are there, be a salt shaker and change the flavor. You, if, if you're in school, you may not like the school you're in, but while you're there, shake the salt out. It's okay to confront your teachers. It's okay to confront your professors. Do it in a godly manner. Do it with the right spirit. But you've got to speak up. You do not have to sit there and and, and be completely overtaken by this 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 manipulative tendency that these. Places of higher education are in, you know, these indoctrination camps that we now call them, these school systems, public school systems, where they are intentionally trying to indoctrinate students to supersede the values of a, of a parent who probably, and most people, I would venture to say, most, most mothers and fathers and parents have different morals than what the school systems are injecting into the society of these students from high school, middle school, elementary school, all the way through college. You may not like your job, but while you're there, you got to sprinkle some salt. It's time to get salty. It's time for you and I to take territory. We have got to do some things now that we have never done before. We have got to take a step of faith. Some people that are hating on you are only hating on you because they can't take their eyes off of you because they understand the kind of calling the kind of destiny that you have. This people, you know, jealousy creates a lot of haters. I don't know if you knew that or not, but those people who are usually hating on you are usually jealous of you. They don't understand your influence. They can't figure out your your your, your purpose. But you, you, you can't hate if you don't know what's going on. The reason your favor haters, and that's what I call them. I call them favor haters. They're just confused fans. They just don't know. They just don't know their fans. But the reason your favor haters are hating is because they're hearing. And the reason they are hearing is because you are making a noise. The reason Satan Con 2023 is coming to Boston is because there's a sound coming out of New England that's never come out of New England before. And the enemy is going to do everything that, that, that he can possibly do to shut up the sound that's coming out of New England right now. Whatever space you are in, whatever territory God's given you to occupy, it's time for you to shake some salt and create a sound. People that are watching, you are watching how you handle the pressure but they aren't telling you they're watching and you have no idea they're watching, but people are getting stronger by watching you. And some people are learning from you, but they haven't matured to a place where their pride will let them admit it. So they admire in secret. You've got some secret admirers and you've got some favor haters. They're not sending you roses, but they're admiring you and watching and their pride won't even let them acknowledge that they are, in a, bene- they are a beneficiary to your obedience to God. The impact is your example. You can change your environment and never even have a Bible study. You can change your environment and never even have a public prayer meeting. You can have a prayer meeting and people not even know you're having one. You can pray in your spirit right there in your cubicle, right there in your workplace, wherever you are. You can pray in your spirit and hearts and lives begin to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They can walk into a room that was just anointed and they don't even know you just prayed over that atmosphere and prayed over that room before they walked in. Daniel sprinkled his salt in several areas that God put before them. Daniel salted the ethics of culture. He salted the ethics of culture. It's time that you and I begin to salt the ethics of culture. You do not have to be some doormat Christian. You do not have to be some silent Christian that just lays down and allows the culture to walk all over you. It is time for you and I to take the keys of the kingdom and begin to change the culture with the power of the gospel. You've got to create a sound. We have to create a sound as the people of God that's going to challenge the very narrative, that's going to challenge the culture, that's going to challenge everything that's coming out of, 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 of what we are hearing and seeing all over the globe right now. The World Economic Forum is not going to dictate how you and I live our lives. We do not live our lives according to Klaus Schwab and every political elitist that wants to see us live a certain way. They're not going to mandate that we eat we eat bugs. I was joking with our church the other day and said, listen, I don't have the John the Baptist anointing. I'm not going to sit here and eat locusts and honey. I'm good. You know, so you know, we we cannot allow these political elitists. We cannot believe that somehow the savior of our joy is going to be in some election that we have in 2024, and that somehow a president and a vice president are going to give us joy again. You can't look with natural eyes every other place you go. You got to understand there are there are spiritual implications that we are experiencing on the earth right now. The Spirit-led people are the ones who are responding with power, who are responding with an opposite sound versus what we're hearing and what we're uh, what we're what we're going through right now in this culture? You have got to create a sound out of your life that is unique to your purpose, unique to who you are, and God will honor your obedience. There will be a great harvest on the other side of your life if you obey and do everything that God is calling you and commanding you to do. Listen, this season that we are in right now, we have the ability to change it. We have the power to influence from coast to coast, border to border, and around this globe. We have the power as the people of God to change the world. We are not going to give our voice over to some political elitists and people with power and authority from a political mandate, whoever who have a political mandate who have a a greater dimension of of cultural influence, you and I have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been given the power to change hearts and lives through the Holy Spirit. We have got to begin to position ourselves in a way where without a shadow of a doubt, we do not operate in fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. It's time for us to take that to heart and go change the world. Listen, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God's best for you. I'm praying that God opens doors that no man can open, and he shuts doors that no man can shut. I believe that you have the authority of, of the Holy Spirit in you to go and change your territory, change that space, change that place that God has given you, and occupy until He comes. He's given you the keys of the kingdom. Now you've got to take the keys and begin to go open the doors. I love you. I'm praying for you. Follow me on Instagram, Pastor Todd Callahan. I will catch you on another episode of Shadow Point.